This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the WPL Podcast. Um, I'm Ben Platt and we are on episode 19 of this mad rollercoaster season. It feels like it's going on forever. I don't know about anyone else. Um, thank you for tuning in. Numbers looking really good this season. Podcast continuing to increase our listening and great feedback. So please do continue to do that. And anything you, know, you think we could do better or, or want to hear more of, give us a shout on social media and we can do that. Um, I was hoping for a positive podcast, the first one in, in what feels like months. Actually, it is months. Um, but before we get stuck into all that, I just want to introduce you. We've got the pod this week. Uh, we've got Duncan, Johan Barbe, as, as you know, McCready. How, how are you? You right? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, I was buzzing after Saturday. Um, Tuesday night wasn't the best night for me. <laughs> um, missing Barbe a lot, actually. Missing Barbe, bring him back. I follow him on Instagram and I always see him like celebrating mad like he used to, like he did for us for, for Bordeaux. And it, yeah, it gets me down a little bit. Um, we've also got Chris Hermitage back on again. Stonewalled on the pod now, mate. How are you? Yeah, no, uh, I don't know. I say every week, like, I'm really happy to be coming on talking about QPR, but I don't know. Am I happy to be talking about what we're going through? Uh, but as ever, no, it's, it's good to chat it through and um yeah hopefully give some people some some entertainment off the back of yeah a disappointing well to put it lightly tuesday night yeah you all get stuck into that unfortunately and we've also got a debutant on the podcast charlie ascroft who is um radio presenter on amazing radio big qpr fan welcome charlie thank you very much thanks for having me on um in these I guess less than ideal circumstances, but uh, as as we all are, we're going through a bit of a, a bit. We've had a few a bit of a roller coaster, a few days. So, I think as Chris says, it's nice to pick that apart with fellow sufferers of yeah, said roller coaster. We, we definitely are one of them, uh, all of them. Um, right. So let's start off at Watford. I want to start off a little bit positive because there is some positive stuff there. Normally on podcasts that we've done over recent months, there's not been many. But Watford, unexpectedly, was 
a big positive had we had done a podcast right after I think we would have all been um, you know raving about Ainsworth the players even Dickie um, um, Chris what was what was your views of Watford well this is uh, this is one rare game that I've missed a home game this season I was on a on a stag do so I was following it while I was watching Italy Wales in the rugby actually in the Stadio Olimpico but uh, so amazed that we were one nil up and then my dark my, my attention got take, completely taken away from the rugby just concentrating on following any update possible about the game sort of waiting for us to that inevitable news that we were going to concede and it never came and then everything after the game is obviously positive exactly what we talked about last week like enough enough players getting together and having the fighting spirit that we needed good displays from not just one or two but a group um yeah not conceding against a team with that amount of attacking talent it was a huge positive um and you just felt we were going to build upon that so um i mean having watched the highlights i was gutted to see that Aussie Kakai turning to sort of Chris Willock, Ilias Chair on the left, whipping in a curling shot. I was like, oh, imagine if that had gone in. Um, we would have had, yeah, even more room to celebrate. But, um, yeah, overall, really positive about it. But I imagine kind of others will be able to dive a little bit deeper on that game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the change of formation as well seems to really work work on Saturday um, with Sam Field in there who on the day was excellent um, Watford were pretty poor I've got to say I mean I watched, watched the game and they weren't great at all not not taking any away from us but they really weren't great um, Charlie anything to add to that from your perspective yeah I mean just briefly on Watford as you've touched upon them um, it was quite refreshing to see another club not have a new manager bounce in their first game like we never seem to react great to having a new person in charge. Um, maybe Warburton aside, I think he started okay. But um, yeah, they weren't, they weren't great. But you never know with them because, because of the talent in their ranks with, with Watford. It's one of those where you feel like they are capable of switching it on, but they, they didn't. And, and I suppose if you look back at a couple of the home games under Critchley where we were very close to winning and were trying to defend a 1-0 lead Sheffield United game and the Swansea game when we conceded late, very late against Sheffield United. Um, there's always that fear that that was going to happen. Um, but as it wore on, you kind of sensed that we'd be okay. And that was a weird feeling. We hadn't had that in a while. Um, I even think back to the previous home win in the, the Wigan game, where it was kind of a narrow 2-1 when Beal was still in charge. And that felt a bit dodgy as well. So... Yeah, a rare feeling in terms of that position we were in for most of the game after the early goal. And such a buzz around the place. We'd had a bit of that in the Blackburn game, I thought, when we were at home. Um, I know we conceded early, but we equalised. Obviously, Ainsworth, first game in charge. Decent noise in the ground. Um, quite a lot of goodwill in the bank. Um, but this was a prolonged, good atmosphere very jubilant scenes at the final whistle because it's a long overdue win. Um, and yeah, a great, a, just a, a great feeling to get three points and or kind of like an unexpected three points, even though, as others have said, maybe Watford 
have kind of phoned it in a little bit this season and, and clearly aren't really firing despite the new manager. Um, but it felt like a big win because there's kind of a local edge. There aren't that many London derbies anymore. They're kind of, they're on the tube map at least. So they're kind of local-ish. Um, and it's, yeah, nice, nice to nice to beat them and do the do the double over them. That's, that's big against a team with that squad on paper. Um, so yeah, felt felt great walking away. Yeah, Saturday at five, five ten or whatever it was. By the time you get out the ground, it was a great feeling. Yeah, I was so happy you know, that like I'm, that feeling that you have after a win. Like, there's nothing like it when you don't have it for so long. Um, I thought we, we said on the pod last week that for us to win a football game at the moment, we need five, six, seven players on form, right? I can't, we got that on Saturday, didn't we? I felt, I think everyone was sort of a seven plus out of 10. I mean, we'll talk about Blackpool in a minute, but you can see when, when you don't, when you get, well, I don't, it's difficult because of the way the game panned out, but overall there wasn't anybody who really, maybe the two strikers possibly did okay. Um, but Dunk, you know, Osman KK is a great example of the kind of how you could go from one extreme to the other. He could barely kick a ball on Tuesday night, literally. He could barely, you know, trap a ball. He didn't look like he looked lost. Is it is this just what Gareth Fraser's got to deal with? Or or is this what we need to see to expect from now till the end of the season? That one week when players are gonna go up and down. Can he get some stability? Um, I think it's quite telling actually that in the results we've had since Ainsworth came in, at home we've looked a hell of a lot better. I know we lost at home to um, Blackburn. But we didn't look like a bad team. We played a bit better than we had been. And the two away games we've had, we've been diabolical. I feel like Ainsworth knows to get points on the board, he's got to get them at home. And whether the the players are picking up on that as well, and they're feeling a bit more comfortable playing at home, and they, you know the, the crowd are there. And like we said, the atmosphere has been good since Ainsworth's come in. And no one's really turning on the team at the minute. Obviously, if we for, like conceded another six goals on Saturday, that could change. But I don't know whether that's kind of lifting the players. I feel like for someone like um, Drew as well, at home, home home crowd, not a hostile atmosphere, whether he got caught up in the moment on Tuesday night with the atmosphere. Like, I don't know, but I feel like that could be why we're doing better or why we did better at home against Watford and why certain players seem to have shined in that game and then didn't. Yeah. He had a good game, didn't he, old Aaron Drew, on, on, against Watford? He grew into the game, I thought. I thought at the start, he, he, oh, again, he looked a bit like he did on Tuesday night, but a couple of things went his way, a couple of crosses, a couple of good tackles, and he just seemed to grow in confidence. But again, he seemed to lose it fairly quickly on on on, on, on Tuesday, as did most of the team. Um, the Blackpool, I mean, where do we start? I mean, it wasn't a penalty, was it? But when you concede that goal in the first 30 seconds, it's not it's typical QPR, right? But um, it probably wasn't a penalty. But then you're looking for everyone to... You're looking for a bit of leadership on the pitch, aren't you? To get everyone going and everyone up. Didn't seem to happen. And we just capitulated, really, uh, for the rest. I know we scored, but Blackpool, they could have scored more. Could have been like eight or nine, I thought, by the end. Charlie, what any, what would you take out of that? Yeah, I mean, if we talked, well, I just mentioned the goodwill that was in the bank. I feel like a lot of it evaporated yeah. within, even after the second goal went in, yeah, you feel like 
yes, you concede an early penalty. That's really annoying. And it looked a very harsh decision. Um, I feel like Dickie was kind of turning his back a bit. And like, you know, if you're, you're point blank range, it's like that ref has, I think that ref's had not the best of games with us before. And I feel like he, he had a bit of a mare early there. Um, but yeah, you just felt we we reacted so badly to that, to an early setback. And I feel maybe it's the age old mentality demons coming out to play, you know, on Saturday, we probably felt, we, you know, we felt sort of 10 feet tall as the game grew on because we just felt like we were winning the battle. And for that to go up in smoke so early, um, second goal, I feel like it's, yeah, it's kind of created down one of the flanks and it's too easy. Third goal, it's a howler from Dieng and you're like, okay, 3-0 in a quite a loud, hostile atmosphere. Blackpool's got a, a great reputation of being a really loud stadium. It was the worst thing that could happen. Wouldn't it? An early goal was, was the worst possible thing that could happen there, really, because the fans got going and that just get players, I think, for an extra 10% that they would have had, we'd probably not conceded. Particularly in their position as well, like Blackpool, yeah. yeah, they're in the bottom three, they need points. Um, and it kind of terrifies me actually that we've got to play a lot of the teams around us in the bottom four or five. And we might come on to this later, like looking ahead to the rest of the season, but like, are we up for those battles or are we going to have to like, as you say, have games like Saturday where the majority of the players are playing out of their skins? Can we rally them to play out of their skins in what few as, as Dunk said, arguably the home games we've got left to pull off these enough enough wins or enough points to to keep us up. It's yeah, it did it did not look good at all. So um, Rob Dickey, um, I want to talk about. Him. I feel harsh talking about him in this way because you know, but I've got to say again, it was just overall for ninety minutes. It was a pretty, it was a really bad performance from him, really bad. Like I know, you know, at the times he was getting the ball and it was just kicking it out of play. I don't know if anyone else noticed. He was just kicking it out. I, I, there was no logic to what he was doing. Um, you know, Dunk, what, what did you, what was, you, what was your take of Rob Dickey? And do you think that we should drop him? I mean, has it got well, to that? Is that going to be well, worse for him? The thing is, we could drop him, but who are you going to bring in? Like, we haven't got any other fit centre-halves at the minute. Like, Balogun's who knows where. Clark Salter's still not fit. Like, are you going to put in there? We haven't got anyone that we could drop for. I think, that's part of the, I think that's part of the problem. Is I feel like because we don't have the options at the minute, we can't drop him. And he could have been done, he could have, like, done with having at least a bit of time out of the team just to f focus his head. Because I feel like, although a lot of the mistakes seem to be coming from him, as a defensive unit, sometimes we are awful and a lot of the blame is aimed at him. Yes, like I, he's suited to playing the ball out from the back. He doesn't like, but these balls he was playing, I think he was just a panic and it was, I've got the ball, I don't want the ball, I'm just going to get rid of it and hope it goes to somebody and it didn't ever. And I feel like his confidence is literally in his boots. You take him out, if we had sent the back, you'd take him out, wouldn't you? Right, yeah. that's what you would do, and, and you'd probably, you know, give him a couple of games to to, to get his head right. Yeah, I mean, to almost I kind of don't want to highlight one individual from a 
when we lose 6-1 because sort of the game almost seemed a blur to me. Like I can't sort of pick out, almost pick out Dickie's individual mistakes because the, the whole game was so bad. Nothing, no individual moment sticks out. Um, I mean, I think I disagree. I think it was a penalty. Even on first view, on a single camera with no replay instantly, I, I panicked as soon as they were appealing and thought, oh, God, this. And then having seen it back, I know what you mean. Like, it is close. He's, he hasn't gone to handball it, but his arm's out. I think in the modern game, that just gets given. And if it was the other way, we'd be screaming that there was a pen and the ball was going to go in. Um, so, and I think Jack said last week, he gave some unreal stat about how often we don't come back after conceding first. So when you give away a penalty after 45 seconds, we kind of all knew something bad was going to happen. We didn't knew we didn't know it was going to be that bad, but it was just like three nil down after 15 minutes, and like my wife sat down, and I sort sort of thought, oh, should I move this game to the iPad so we can watch something else together? And I thought, no, I'll put myself through this for some weird weird reason i never actually thought we were going to come back but you just want to see the whole thing yeah. play out and i don't honestly don't know why um i yeah, suppose at one point them. there's no one that can come in sorry just... i was going to say at one point you felt like we might be witnessing history with our worst ever defeat yeah. <laughs> and you just want to be there to somehow inflict that on yourself because yeah. it, or, or, it honestly... or it was port vale or the port vale game do you remember the port vale yeah. many years ago yes we possibly going to see that again <laughs> Yeah, there was an element of that. 4-1 down at half time. You're like, oh, okay, interesting. Okay. And then we conceded, what, two minutes into the second half? So that yeah. was dead uh, and buried. It was like, oh, okay, uh, maybe not. Maybe we are going to get trounced 10-1. From, from the exactly the same corner routine that we'd conceded from in the first half. Like, it just, they didn't even seem to need to try for those two goals. Like, no. so easy. And do you know what, the thing that annoys me about the goals, like obviously quite a few of them coming from set pieces, is that we've got people like Dickey, Dunn, Field, Martin, Dykes. They're all big units. Like you think we should be able to deal with a ball into the box. Yeah. And to get caught out that many times, because they had a couple of corners that they nearly scored from as well. Like I just feel like it really bothers me, set pieces, that how we've been like horrendous at them for years. Like yeah. every manager we have in, they can never get the set pieces right. It just it's like a real like bugbear for me, like why we can't defend them. Yeah, at this at this level, I'd say throughout the whole football league, if you can not concede from set pieces or limit yourself, but do well when you're attacking them, you'll probably finish mid table just by doing that. You don't almost <laughs> the rest of the game doesn't hugely matter if you can do those two things but we were, somehow we were poor we under Bill, weren't we Bill had the same issue he could he could get us we could see there's so many goals under Bill yeah that was the second like second ball syndrome where as soon as it bounced we didn't react or didn't have somebody there now it just seems it's, we're not even getting it to the second ball now it's the first ball we can't deal with but the, the thing I found with Bill though was we actually scored from a few set pieces for a change like yeah. we had, like I remember, I can't remember which it was at the start of the season where we like Steph played a little dink ball in. Was it Borough? And yeah. like we we seemed like we like had like little ideas and like things that had been worked on the training ground. 
like and now i just again it feels like we've got like everyone just like a deer in headlights no one really knows what they're doing who's marking who there's like there's we've said it so many times recently there's just feels there's no leaders in that back line or organizers that are getting over like your man your area depending on like we're zonal or man marking there just seems to be no leadership on the pitch and, and, and that's I was going to say the same about the leadership stuff like I said when we were one one nil down two nil down you need someone to get the team going but I think that everybody is so concerned about their own performance and making sure they don't make mistakes and making sure that they, they when they get the ball they're doing what they need to do and they that, that caring about everyone else is quite difficult I know Martin's up there but He's sort of miles away, isn't he, to a degree? Like, nothing to do with the set, the back, the, you know, how we're organised structurally at the back. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a match. I thought we lost the centre midfield battle hugely, on like, like more than we ever do. Um, I thought they had te- loads of little nippy technical players in there. And we just, I thought, oh, Dezel, uh, I'm just not his biggest fan, if I'm honest. He wasn't too bad against Watford, but... And then you lose Tim, don't you? When you're two or three nil down, his head goes, right? Because he's 19, he's young. You don't want to be, you know, you can't rely on him to get the ball and, and be the one to drive us forward like we did at Watford when it was nil-nil. He was great at just getting the ball, driving it forward. His confidence, great. That's what you want. But he's not going to do that away from home. When we're in this hostile Blackpool, two or three nil down after 10 minutes, you've kind of lost him. And, I, and one question I've got, and I don't know if Charlie, you want to ask this, but I always thought at half time we should have brought on that, you know, Johansson a bit earlier, or we should have made a change. I don't know what exactly that change was, but I thought he was crying out for something. You four one down at half time, but he didn't do that. And then when you're 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes in, the game's definitely gone there, hasn't it? I don't know what your view was. Yeah, I agree with you. I was very surprised that we didn't make at least one or two at half time. Um, I, I feel like, from not just because you're losing the game, but obviously the, the, the manner in which you're attempts to make something happen are all were largely unsuccessful and in this system you know we are getting the ball forward quickly sometimes it completely bypasses the center midfield but actually sometimes you need someone in the base of your midfield to actually make that long pass rather than the defender just getting rid of it you need someone to try and forge something a bit of a a cleverer long pass than just a lump it up to dykes and martin um and we did, yeah, we didn't do that. Whereas on the weekend, not only were the defence better, but I thought we were better at distributing from midfield areas, whether that was actually someone like Dickey coming forward and then making the pass, getting it out wide, putting it out wide for one of the fullbacks to run onto, which they were doing very well, or um, Dezel or Irabunum managing to get, get themselves involved more. They just seem to get completely bypassed yeah. against Blackpool and, and you feel like if we had brought on Johansson or say even Richards a bit earlier I guess you just get people who are decent on the ball and maybe able to forge an opening that we clearly weren't doing and it goes back to that thing about I guess players suddenly looking scared of making a mistake individually it's very easy or it should be easy for a defender to just be like I've got to get rid of this someone else can make the mistake someone else can't Someone else's yeah. turn to not win this long ball or not win this duel. I can just get rid of it. Unfortunately, it was coming back at us pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, there was just so much wrong. And I was, yeah, like you, very surprised the changes didn't come earlier. Particularly, you've got also, there's been a few theories about were they absolutely knackered from Saturday and running themselves into the ground? I don't know. I, I 
you hopefully you use adrenaline and momentum and all that stuff to carry on your good form but i would i was gonna say like that theory really grates on me that players can't pick themselves back up i know it was a, like a tough game and i know it's been a long like a longish journey up to blackpool and stuff i get that but like these aren't like sunday league players who play once or twice a week and train once a week like they're on the pitch like every single day they're as fit as they can be like you tell me they can't do another 90 minutes within a few days like and the thing is off surely after winning the first game in how like so long you think they'd all be up for it. They'd all be buzzing to get back on the pitch as soon as possible. So I don't know, just one of those things that really grates on me when people say, oh, yeah. uh, like we should have changed, we should have made changes. I think well, that's a, uh, like an easy cop-out for me. Well, it is when you go 3-0 down after 10 minutes, right? I mean, you're not tired after 10 minutes. I mean, that theory kind of goes out the window. I would agree if we were sort of nil-nil, one-nil, when we lost it in the last couple of minutes, the last 50, I don't know, maybe. Um, but... Chris, I just wanted to come to you on what does this do to our relegation fears? Because I went to bed on Saturday thinking we're going to be all right. And now I'm here back Saturday thinking that if we lose against Birmingham and Blackpool win, we, we, we're we right. We, we're not just, we are in a relegation dogfight, right? Yeah, exactly that. Like, yeah, after Saturday, 10 points clear, like, great. Looking like much needed win. One where we didn't expect results went our way elsewhere, and you're like, okay, we've got one of the bottom three on Tuesday. Exactly what we said last week. Just don't lose. Doesn't matter what the game is like. Just don't lose. Don't allow them to get any momentum. And we've done that. Now we're staring at right a home game against Birmingham. We had to get something anyway. Now we seriously have to get something. Then an international break and staring at Wigan away. Like we said last week, they'll be circling that game going, this lot just got beat by Blackpool 6-1. Like, this is the game where we can get a bit of momentum. Um, the results around us uh, or at the bottom this midweek didn't exactly go our way either. Um, Huddersfield got a point. Who else got a point on Wednesday? Yeah, Wigan did. I mean, they can take yeah. points though. But it, yeah. yeah, I guess we just need them not to win. But still, like... Again, seriously worried now, like because you could you could take it and go, okay, that six one that is complete and utter rock bottom. The only way is up, so they have to be able to react to that. Or you could go, well, that's a sign of what could happen to us multiple times now. Like how Saturday is just all about reaction. If yeah. if the players have got it and they've got some fight we'll see a reaction and we'll get something. If we lose that, then yeah, serious, seriously, seriously worried what's going to happen. I, I think we only need two wins. I, and a draw. I think 48 points, I think, will be enough, uh, I would guess. Um, it's going to take Blackpool to win sort of four or five of their last nine games, which isn't impossible, but it, it would, it's asking a lot. I don't know if anyone else, if anyone else could... Have any confidence that we're going to be all right? Um, I think the biggest worry for me was it wasn't the fact we lost to Blackpool. It's how we lost. Like, if we'd lost a really scrappy game and it'd been 1-0, but we'd been in it and it'd been a battle, you go, oh, do you know what? It's one of those unfortunate results. We got turned over by a team in the bottom three. 
another one since October as well. We were in the they've they've, they've, they've scored six goals over the last 12 games. Like, this, we've literally made an awful team look like prime Barcelona. And we've shown everyone else in this division, we go a couple of goals down early. That's it. We've got no backbone. We haven't got any fight. And it was such a chalk and cheese performance because against Watford, we were fighting for every single ball. Uh, the players were putting their bodies on the line. Like the second half, it was like a pure shithouse performance against Watford. Like everyone was going down. I saw Watford fans tweeting after the game about how many times our players were on the deck, time wasting. Like we did the, what we needed to do to get a result. And then Tuesday we do what we do, and like I feel like it's more damaging than like the actual how we've lost and the, than the fact we lost. Charlie, what do you think? You think we're going to be all right? You think we're going to? You worried? I am worried. I said earlier, I'm terrified of the games against the teams around us because I mean, you feel like Tuesday, unfortunately, lays a marker for the other teams in the fight that. And, and kind of tells them almost that we are so fragile and and that as dunk says we 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 don't really have much fight if if we go that if we concede first it's um, game over at the moment isn't it if we concede first it's game over <laughs> yeah um and it yeah i, I just don't know I say from a defensive unit who looked by and large pretty solid on saturday and had a bit of confidence to just to turn into that on Tuesday. But you can't really do much else unless they're quietly bringing Clark Salter back on the weekend and not telling us. I don't think they can stick Joe Gubbins into that back three. No. Um, he's there basically to be a seventh bench person. You know, he, he will get better as he gets older, but at the same time, he's, you can't just stick him in against Djukovic and, well, maybe not Dini if he's injured, but do you know what I mean? It's You can't replace any of them really I thought on Saturday the, the inclusion of field in a back three left-sided player we've done well in a three before the other two defenders have done well in a three before it was actually felt like a masterstroke and as I say for that to just transform into something so error prone and error strewn on Tuesday just chasing shadows like just getting getting their feet wrong like passes to their nearest fullback that were just going straight out of play or cutting out crosses by kind of deflecting it towards their own goal and almost scoring an own goal. It was just like, it was calamitous. Um, yeah, as you say, as, as everyone says, all about reaction and but Birmingham need the points as well. They're right down there with us and they've got other teams that could catch them up before the international break. You go into the international break, got two weeks off, and you're only four points clear, that would be pretty Disaster, scary. Right? Yeah. I think point there's I was I was talking to some Birmingham fans recently and, and, and there's some points deductions coming, isn't there, around Reading looking like they're gonna get sort of six points, Birmingham are looking like they're gonna get some, Wigan are getting some. That I mean, that could add help us, obviously it will help us, but um, I mean if all that happens and we still go down. I mean, we would have fully deserved it, right? From the position we're in. I mean, you can't... Someone was said about goal difference being terrible. I mean, yeah, it is. But if we need goal difference to stay up come the end of the... I mean, we deserve to go down anyway, don't we? Um, but 
God. I was going to say, that's surely that's the same, though, if we're hoping that all these teams get points deducted. Wow, well, yeah. Like, if, if we stay up because another team's like had points deducted, that just shows you how bad we've been this year. Like, we shouldn't have to rely on other teams not managing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The finances to stay in the division. Yeah. Like, it is, yeah. it's embarrassing. After the result on Tuesday, it was that was the word I used, it was embarrassing. Like, it's just... Yeah, it was, it was, it was awful and embarrassing. And I came into work the next day and my boss had put in a meeting for six minutes past one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, he's a Cardiff fan, so um, he, yeah, he, he, we often they're t- they're terrible as well. He says. So I mean, I think there are a lot of poor teams down there, but we need to get these wins quick. Um, I'm interested to sort of understand. I can't, one player I want to single out, and this might be harsh, and you can tell me if I'm being harsh. It's Jamal Lowe. Um, I I often feel at the end of a game, there's not much point of him being on the pitch. I don't know if anyone else feels like that, or if that's just a harsh opinion, but. He goes missing very often and easily. Um, he was he was much better on Saturday, as was everybody. But Tuesday, I didn't even see him anything of anything. I didn't see him pass. I didn't, see, and I feel like he's. I've seen a lot of that this last. And I just wonder whether he's up for the. He's one of them that aren't up for the fight. I don't know if that's harsh. What anyone's view is. Um, thing is, he's one of those players. He's not coming to us on loan because he's looking for a new club in the summer or like a new contract. Because he's got, a, I think he's. Well, he joined Bournemouth last summer or last January, so he's still got years left on that contract. They're probably going to come back down into the Championship unless they can turn their form around. So why is he going to give us everything when he doesn't? He's not actually fighting for anything in either way. He can just go back because to Bournemouth and sit on his contract. Like, really, he should be our best player. Really, at the moment, what we got available, you're looking oh, to him to get the goals and create and. But, yeah, but he should be our creative that. spark. He should be stepping up in place of someone like Chair or Willock who aren't there. He should be the one that the team is looking for to give the ball to. He should be the one getting on the ball and making things happen. And he's not bothered, but he's not our player. So why would he be bothered? This is what when the loans bother me a little bit, they don't always care because they know they're going back to another club. Mm. I just, I just think he's got so much quality. I watched him the first couple of games he was here, and he was a live wire. He was running in behind. He was like, tra- he was um, tracking back. He was doing a lot of this. I thought this is going to be a great player, and I've just not seen that same Jamal Lowe over the last sort of month, month and a half. Um, no, we seem to be it? that kind of a club with the kind of atmosphere that sort of makes sucks you in. Yeah, yeah. it kind of it, it makes sort of our lone visitors and I can call them that, visitors, uh, kind of lose their spark a bit because 
Yeah, against Reading, he came on, looked brilliant. Yeah, he did, yeah. Back. yeah, that came um, The goal against Swansea, playing with swagger. Yeah, he missed a couple of chances, but he was getting into great positions, was running Swansea fairly ragged at times. Um, and he thought, okay, he'll get sharper because he's not been playing much. He'll get, yeah. he'll grow into it. And then there have just been games where, yeah, I think you've said it right. He kind of drifts out of it and you don't really, I don't fully understand the role maybe in this system as well. If we're lumping it up to, I keep saying lumping, I feel it's quite a reductive term, but like we're playing long, longish balls forward towards like Dykes and Martin. Is he sort of one winger on his own? Is he joining them as a front three? Is he kind of an attack-minded midfield, sort of more centrally-based player to let the fullbacks come up? He was kind of popping up in decent positions again on on Saturday. But I don't know. I don't know. Historically, he's been good as both, I guess, an out-and-out striker and a winger. I don't quite know where where he kind of fits in in this role if you've got Dezel and and Tim more central, can he just float? I don't know. It's really hard to to define it. Yeah. And that maybe helps or hinders him and, and means that he does go missing because he just can't get can't get on the ball, can't get in any space. I don't know. It's 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 a real shame because I thought, oh, that's actually quite an exciting January signing. Yeah. It was, well, it's yeah, it, it was at the time, but I just don't think he's fulfilled it. And like you say, he's probably been swallowed up in the mentality issue that we've got at the football club, clearly, um, which is frustrating. Um, a quick one on Gareth Ainsworth. I just wanted to understand. I don't blame, I don't know if anyone does, blame Gareth Ainsworth for any of this going on at the moment. He's trying to, I think he's been dealt a terrible hand. I do think, I do some, it's a bit harsh, but I do think that he could play it differently. Sometimes I feel like he's a bit naive. He feels like he's learning. But he shouldn't be. He's got like X, how many games under his belt? Years. Sometimes we need a bit more from him to try and make us a bit more solid, like he did on Saturday, or or, or maybe the decision not to, to to change it on Tuesday. You would expect that from someone maybe a bit more inexperienced. I don't know. Am I being a bit harsh? I, I, I just wondered what everyone's views were on that. I for me, I feel like. You can tell he's only spent the majority of his time in League One and League Two. Like he isn't proven at this level, and I think that's the. Like, it wasn't necessarily like a gamble the the board took, but they wanted him in to try and appease the fans and calm the situation down with that. And I don't necessarily feel like he ha- he is equipped at the minute to get the best out of this squad because it's not a squad that I feel is used to a manager of his style and how he operates like the whole like hacker thing like it's been so like again embarrassing today on twitter it's all over twitter every other club every other fan base is now like basically taking the piss out of us for it and the players reaction to it because it feels like our players just aren't engaging with what he's trying to get from them and i don't know if that's just his level as a manager or do you know what i mean like I'm not going to throw him under the bus. I'm not going to say that like Tuesday was all down to him. Like he has to take some of the blame, as and the players have to take the majority. The hacker thing is a bit lost six one. It's easy to pull it out in it and pick snippets from it and make it look worse than it actually was. And uh, it's just that's just what happens on social media, doesn't it? 
But I think that, and I could be wrong here, and Charlie, I don't know if, if what, you, what, you, what you think, but if he, if I think the club brought him in thinking that his motivation and his and his attitude and the way you know bubbly and stuff would rub off on the players and it, that would come on the pitch, but I actually don't think that's what the players needed. They needed someone to come in and and, and give them a bit of structure and, and tell them what to do and give. It, I don't know, maybe he's just realising that over the last couple of weeks. Is that? Would you, is that a fair analysis, do you think? Or? I, I think it is. I think when you're new at a place, when you're trying to lift, you know, a team that have not won in a long time, um, coupled with his character and, you know, what he's achieved at Wickham and how he's achieved it at Wickham. I mean, he is at least 50% vibes. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's trying to give, give everyone a sort of, a, yeah, that, that kind of positivity and that, and, and just kind of play with less fear. But ultimately, the players know that we're quite low in the table. They can't just shake that off quickly if this has been starting to bed in over however, however many months you want to mention or even dating back to well over a year ago, you know, the tail end of last season. Um, and I guess you don't know until you get somewhere. You, you, you know that your so-called style of play and what you're trying to get them to do to try and however you're trying to change things is going to take a little while to bed in. Um, and it may, and, and, and I think it's not, it, you don't want to say that he's not giving them structure and telling them what to do, but it is, it is so radically different to what we've been doing. You know, the possession stats have plummeted. Maybe not the other night we started passing around again, almost out of nervousness, I think, um, trying to maintain the ball, but not actually making any progress. Um, but as I say, we, we're getting the ball forward a lot and 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 it's sometimes coming to nothing. It, it's things have changed in terms of the the style, but it's also he because of his character, he is trying to get players to suddenly come out of their shells again. And I guess that's why the hacker thing happened. And it's yeah, it's very easy. To take the piss and 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 it's because a couple of media outlets have reported it since yeah. we lost to Blackpool. Like that video has been up for what a couple of weeks now, and so yeah, it was like three now, weeks ago. Like yeah, so many yeah. of my mates have messaged me that yeah in the last twenty four hours. Yeah, and my yeah, same yeah. same response to all of them is like it was three weeks ago. I don't understand why it's suddenly coming up now. Yeah, and I mean my main thing at the time. I think we spoke about it. I don't. I don't. Still don't understand why the club thought we need to put this on social media to me that is the ultimate thing exactly. where like, right Ainsworth has got this idea he's trying to um, spark some positivity a different change of mood in the camp keep that internal we don't need to know the ins and outs of exactly what Ainsworth is doing every single day every minute of the day like don't do it for views and all that rubbish like just screamed as if look what what upside was there for the social team to go Tell you what, we'll record all this and put it out. Yeah, Nothing. yeah. agree, mate. Agree. And, and and he's been to a lot of the top European clubs. That guy I was reading, he's been to them all, but he, they don't put it on social. It's not something they're going to put on social media mid-season. If it was like pre-season, maybe. But yeah, when you're in a rel- you know on a bad run, yeah. you're asking it for just, trouble. It just aren't you? screamed of of the club kind of like being like, look, we are we're doing something, we're trying. It's like, yeah. okay, we might slag you off. But we do know you are going to be trying things behind the scenes. Like you're not just turning up for training and being like, "God, lads, we're rubbish, aren't we?" Let's go for a little <laughs> kick about outside. 
Like, I think we some know people think that's things. what happens. Some people probably do think that's what happens, but obviously... <laughs> Maybe that's you know. it. But, yeah, yeah it was just... Uh, yeah. No, um, so. I, I was I, I was slightly annoyed last week with the whole cavalry comment that that Ainsworth made. It bugged me, and I've seen it elsewhere as well. Um, obviously, we do have players coming back from injury. Is it a case of just riding out these next two games, uh, getting some in three, four, six points? I don't know. Uh, try not to get zero, and uh, I go again after the international break. Is that I think is that the plan? I think sounds like it's the plan, but. Could be wrong. It's just the just the Birmingham game, isn't it? So it's like, just the Birmingham game, yeah, right? I don't expect anybody to come back for this game. Like, if there's any, if there's any um, positive quotes about like chair coming back, I think we can disregard those. Like, they're not. We spoke about last week how often we felt we rushed players back this season. Yes, we're on. We've had a disastrous result. We need a reaction, but you can't be saying to chair. Right, we desperately need you to come back for Saturday because because you might be able to spark something for us, and that's too early. Like you've got an international break afterwards, just accept. Right, after Saturday, your aim, chairs, clerks, or uh, anybody else, is that Wigan game. But you have to be one hundred percent fit for that, and that is where you're coming back. Um, We've got to bring chair back. I think. I don't know. I've, I've, I don't know if he's available or he's fit and he's training. He's got to be in there, hasn't he? Or at least on the bench. I've, I think he's got to definitely be on the bench. But surely Ainsworth's got to be sent like this group of players. Like you, eleven, let us down on Tuesday night. You're all starting on Saturday. Like go back out there at home and prove. Do you know I mean, surely that's got to be his motivation for this week. Is you have to go out there and perform today as like a, to pay back the fans who travelled to Blackpool. You let the team down. You've got to go out there and make it up to them now. And then, if we've got chair fit for half an hour, bring them on. Like, do you know what I mean, but there's no point trying to rush him back just before an international break. Why? There's just I don't see the point in it. Like, well, you know, I, I, I why don't start agree. him? I don't why start him? When literally we've rushed back how many players this year, and they've got injured again and they've broken yeah. down. I mean, why? Why rush injury, when, when we've got when we've got that kind of little bit of a gap surely just get the same team out put a rocket up them say we expect better and then if chairs fit for half an hour bring them on for half an hour get him some minutes in before the break yeah I also think if we did start chair the other 10 players on the pitch are just going to look at him and be like mm. oh well, you're back so you're going to make us yeah. play better and suddenly we'll be better because you're here so there becomes even more of a reliance on him from the other 10 players. Whereas, like you say, Dunk, if it's just those 11 who go back out there, they've got to be staring at themselves in the mirror or at each other in that change room before they go out and be like, it's, it's only us 11 who can fix this. We have to show something. And surely, with how, like, obviously, we've been saying about the balls, it's been a lot of long balls recently. Like, we're bypassing them in midfield. We've discussed this. Like, where's Chair getting the ball if he starts? Like, he ain't going to win a 50, 60-yard ball, is he, in the air? He, he might get the knockdown if Dykes or Martin were to win it. But again, I feel like Ainsworth needs a few more players back to be able to fit Chair into the team and get the team playing the football Chair needs. Chair can't play in a long ball team. No, I thought Dykes coming back in the weekend, though, had a bigger influence than we think. I think feel like the way we played suit, like, I don't know, I just felt like it gave everyone a bit of a lift. It felt... It, it, 
it, it meant we could play three at the back much more with two up front, as in, you know, Dykes and Martin. And I just feel like a chair in there would give everyone a bit of an extra lift. And yeah, you're right. I don't want to get him injured again. I know. And if he's not right, he's not right. But I, I just think if he's fit, if he's fit enough to be on the bench for half an hour, he's fit enough to, to, to play 60 minutes. Because if he comes on after minutes, we're losing 2-0, the game's kind of gone, which is which could quite happen quite easily. That's my view, Charlie. I don't know if you've got if you're where you are. <laughs> a bit torn, to be honest. Because he, he, <laughs> he if you think back to the Blackburn game, we looked absolutely nothing as an attacking threat when he went off. Um, but it's hard, and this is where, you know, the managerial decision-making will have to come in, for us to play a back three, a, a kind of two big brutes up at, at the top at the top of the pitch and have a fairly solid midfield and have chair. It feels, it feels like a tough jigsaw to solve. Mm. Um, of course we need him. He's one of our best players. And ultimately... I mean, looking ahead a little bit, you know, he's one of our, possibly our biggest assets that we might have to cash in on um, at some point, as as, sad, as much as that saddens me to say. So you want him, even if we're playing badly, to be the best player in a bad team so that his value doesn't absolutely plummet. And I'm sorry to talk a bit about him in that way. But unfortunately, I think we need him on the pitch. But ultimately... <laughs> It's the gamble. It, we don't know what his hamstrings like. Yeah, that that injury looked really bad at the time, and and, and I know Ainsworth is sort of teasing us with the possibility that him and Kenneth Powell might be back, but we don't know, and we don't want him to then miss the rest of the season on the basis that he's gets injured again from playing one game too soon. He's not in the Morocco squad. He's not been called up because he's injured, so he's not going away. Um, he will be with us you know, up to the Wigan game yeah. to get better within our, you know, within our training facility. So, uh, yeah, do you save him for that Wigan game and go all guns blazing or do you, or was it so bad on Tuesday that you that he would make the difference? I, I, I can't, I can't call it. I honestly can't call it. I'd like to see Richards in there. I really would. I keep saying it every week. I just feel like him, again, it, what I just said about chair coming on for the last, when the game's gone, he only ever seems to get minutes when the game, like, you know, at times when he can't do anything, when 3-1 down, 6-1 down, I don't know. Four, I just feel like maybe, but again, it's whether you can rely on him to start a game, be be structured, you know, and, 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 and I don't know. Play yeah, I'd love play to see the his... stats. I'd love to see the stats of how much he's been on the pitch while we've been leading a game because he's always yeah. caught on. <laughs> yeah. It may, it may be zero. I don't know. But it's tough on him, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, talented boy. There, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think the problem as well we have is Birmingham are going to be up for a scrappy battle, and Richards, Chair, they're not necessarily those kind of players. And I feel like we're going to have to play a team that's going to put a shift in and put a bit of a fight in, and not necessarily be able to play our flair players that are going to want a bit of time on the ball because Birmingham ain't going to give Chair a second on the ball if he starts. And then know he's going to just come back from injury. And I, what I worry is that he's going to get kicked all around the park. Because they, they're yeah. fighting for their lives like we are. And, you know, yeah, he's, like, good enough all... to know. he's good enough, though, isn't he? Like, he yeah, but gets he's every match, week. yeah, but he's not match fit, though, is he? Let's be honest. Like, he's going to be at least half a yard, like, not as sharp as he would be normally. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, you're right. I don't trust our medical team to get it right either way, mate, if I'm honest. You know, <laughs> historic. Um, just quickly then, before we end, I just want to quickly touch on um, next season. And I, I know we don't know what league we're in, so it might look different, but I still think the club, whatever way, need a bit of a reset in relation to playing... Well, actually, throughout the club. I don't know what... Again, I don't know what that looks like exactly, but I feel like there's a lot of players that probably we need to move on. And it feels like another... I don't know if you remember Warburton when he... We had a massive 14, 15 player turnaround. I don't know, Chris, whether that's something we need or, or, or whether we give Ainsworth the opportunity to try and build some of these players up. I think it's probably, I think for most clubs at this level, it's something you probably do need in the summer. I think every club would probably identify, right, these five, six either aren't, either aren't good enough or you're sort of just moving them on maybe you're even replacing them with people at a similar level but to bring in someone in it's sort of the opposite of better the devil you know better the devil you don't know because they could develop into something a lot better and become a, a part of a starting 11 i'd like to i think this is pro- i think i'm probably swayed with the fact of how badly we're playing at the moment we've talked about loan players could we go into a season where we're like, right, we're only going to have two loan players this year? I'd like to say maybe that's the way we go because you have then a feeling that most of the people we're playing are our players, we're developing them, they're getting the minutes. On the flip side, it's, yeah, but are they good enough? Um, so would we just demand better quality? And then you get into that emergency period where like, our oh, January, we'd be doing really rubbish and, Right, get a few loans in to help us survive at that stage if we're even in this league. Um, yeah, I mean, I would anticipate us bringing, yeah, probably five or six in and moving five or six on. I think that just happens every summer. Um, but yeah, we, we saw that 11 against Blackpool. Realistically, we could have a similar 11 uh, standard wise next season for most games if we don't if we have to if chair gets sold if Willock got sold or still not fit um, then you're looking around being like god this is going to be grim um, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about that Chris we, me and Doug had a conversation about this the other day I'm worried about what the team's going to look like next season even in the championship I'm worried I'm concerned that I don't know AQPR's lost its appeal hasn't it for some players to come to sign for us right who's going to yeah, it's not that the manager's going to go out like Gareth Ainsworth. Again, it's no disrespect to him, but you've got that that challenge. What's happened this season? I, I just think it's going to be a tough recruitment in the summer. We we've got to get it right, and we haven't historically. <laughs> so the thing is, obviously, Ainsworth's spoken about getting like these gems in from like League One, but. Like these gems, if they're on a free transfer, we ain't gonna always. We're not gonna be able to offer them the best wages. Like we're not gonna be able to offer them the best signing on fees. So why are these gems gonna come to us over other championship clubs? That's saying if we're still in the championship, and that goes against a little bit against obviously the boards kind of will take anyone that Spurs throw out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's just what is our model with this summer gonna be because. Like we're literally going to be literally buying in the bargain bucket again. Yeah, but so Clear, is everyone, clearance, though, aren't they? Clearance sale. That's all we. That's all we're looking at again. 
you might get a gem every so often, but it doesn't happen every single year. Well, maybe a Gareth Ainsworth approach is something that we haven't done, have we really, historically? I don't know. Maybe it's something different. Because we say that, like, we've signed people like Connor Washington from the lower leagues to taking a gamble on them, and it didn't work. Yeah, Macaulay Boyle. You know who did look yeah. really good? I watched the Bristol City game the other day, that Mehmet from Wickham. He went to yeah. the Blimey, he looks such a good player. I'm so annoyed that we didn't get him. Um, I don't know how much he cost. Was it a million or something? A million, but, million quid, yeah. Honestly, mate, he tore Blackpool apart at the weekend when I watched it. and I didn't realise he was that skillful, um, which was a bit frustrating. But there are players down there. The season he had, the season Wickham had in the Championship, I swear that was the COVID season where we were just watching. That was the highlight of the week. Well, supposedly watching uh, your games on a Saturday when football came back, and we played Wickham away. We won one nil, like just about one. But he played in that game. He looked really good in that game. I'm not yeah. saying like that was the one game that our scouting team should be like, right, let's keep an eye on him because I'm sure loads of clubs were at that point, but. There are these moments. I was thinking earlier, like even when we signed, we we signed David Wheeler from Exeter. That logically like looked the right kind of signing. Like someone from League Two, he'd got loads of goals, loads of assists. He was young, wasn't an expensive deal, and for some reason, never really got many games for us. People could argue, oh well, in the games he played, he wasn't good enough, and he's now been at Wickham a while, and maybe that's just shown he's a League One player, but. Yeah, it's not just Washington and Bond. We have done this with other people and yeah. it doesn't seem to have kind of come off. But I kind of feel we need to sign another Don Bull in the summer. Basically, someone who just who wants it. Like, his attitude that we've lost, no one replaced his attitude in this squad that you could look around and be like, look, if you haven't played 20 games but you're playing this game, it would be 10 out of 10 effort. Great. You could tell he's great around the training ground, great around the changing room. Like, I feel he'd be the perfect kind of player for us now in the well, awful what, run we've been on. Well, yeah, and I was thinking about this the other day. In the summer, we lost more than we thought we did. Okay, I know we lost some aging players that were in their contract, maybe on slightly bigger contracts, but we lost in Lee Wallace, in, um, in um, Don Ball, Johan Barbe, Austin. We lost something, didn't we? About what we the stuff that we're missing in games where we need someone to pick us up and lead, and I don't know. Yeah, like, like go on. I was just going to say, obviously, like we lost Barbe, played what ninety odd games in a row for us, and we got in Clark Salter. And at the time, we kind of said, like for like ability wise, Clark Salter's not play, like played what ten games this season, fifteen tops, like. We've just gone and got another injury-prone player, and we gave Charlie, away. What do you said... think on Charlie? What do you think on what we um, what we need next season? Or <clears throat> I think you have to look across the squad and and realise that there's, there's the injury-prone players, but there's also there's also players who either have contract up at the end of the season or the contract up at the end of next season. Um, I think. Of all the ones this season, you think, okay, well, if you free up the wages that we are contributing to for the loan players, the five loan players, plus I think it's um, Archer, Amos, Balogun, Martin, assuming those don't get renewed 
I think Willock has an ex as a sort of an option to extend for another year. But then there's a lot of players out of contracts for the end of 2024 season. You think, well, okay, you talked about the hard reset. It, if it needs a dozen to leave just to be able to go and either fill fill with lower league gems, because obviously if you're saving wage wedge, you might be able to contribute you know a bit transfer fees for for lower league players that you think Ainsworth could get under his spell and and mold into you know vibes players <laughs> you know big 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 bold players that aren't shrinking violets that we seem to be awash yeah. with at the moment um and can we fill any gaps with this fabled academy that we seem to be stocking with you know under 23 teams b teams under 18s hyping up on social media to some of them start to step up at a younger age. You know, a lot of these so-called prospects are now 21, 22, 23 and haven't really seen much of the first team squad. Is it time to give them a go irrespective of what league we're in? I don't know. It's very, it's very precarious, but I yeah. agree. We need, we need more in, but are the players that are head of recruitment or the, scouting network are the ones they've identified the ones that Ainsworth is going to want and again you, you end up in a three-way tussle between the characters the manager wants the players the director of football may have recommended and the people the scouting network will have been scouting for years and years and just not been able to get yet tough really tough summer yeah Tough summer ahead, whatever, wherever we end up. But all right, lads, quickly then, quick Birmingham prediction. Um, I'm going for one-one. I just think, yeah, I think a draw. I think both teams, if it's sort of quite tight towards the end, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll see out a draw. Dunk, what do you think, mate? Oh, I'm going that we're going to bounce back. I think it's going to be a little a gritty one-nil. I think we're going to grind out, and yeah, ours are going to be singing happy songs at the end of the day. Chris, what do you think? I wanted to give a positive prediction, and then Charlie mentioned Jukovic, uh, Deeney, and like Scott Hogan. So picturing them oh. going up against Rob Dickey doesn't fill me with confidence or defending set pieces. So uh, I predicted a loss against Watford, and what happened? I won't say it because I don't want to fully jinx it, but I will predict, unfortunately, a 2 0 loss to Birmingham and then see what happens. Charlie, positive, negative? I mean, when we last played them, we were top of the league <laughs> and they, dis <laughs> they dispatched us 2-0 at their place and we missed the pen. Um, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I'm, I we might have some false dawn. I think we, we might take the lead and then go down 2-1. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's where it all started, that Birmingham game. That's where the long, where this dip all started. I'm not saying it's because of that game, but that's where, you know, we, we fell apart, didn't we? And then we haven't, we haven't, we haven't come back since. But, um, Great. Thanks, lads, for coming on. We've got a really big episode next week. Um, we've got Ali Fowlin on the pod. So we're looking forward to that. So everyone, anyone who couldn't quite catch him at Loftus Road, we'll get him, on, get him on the pod and ask him some questions. So if you've got any, send them over. But stay tuned next week. And lads, let's hope for a win Saturday. You are. You are.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.